Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. We've been studying or preaching on the last three times on Nehemiah about the road to Nehemiah. We found in chapter 9 a place where I believe all of us would like to get to. The Bible was read. Confessing of sin was taking place. Worship of the Lord was happening. Things seemed to be moving in the way of God. Looked like revival has taken place in chapter 9. I believe we got a little taste of that, a little look in that, a little vision of that. But you know what? We, we titled this message, The Road to Revival. But in order to get to chapter 9, we got to go chapter 1. And then we got to go chapter 2. And we got to go all the way back to chapter 9. I'm willing, I wonder this morning or this evening if we're willing to work, to do what it takes for our church to see revival. It begins right here in chapter 1 as we begin to read the first five verses tonight as we stand to our feet one more time. And the reason why we stand to our feet is because we're reading the Word of God. And why you would sit down while I preach is because it's just me. But while the Word of God's being read, we will stand. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hechelah. And it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Sushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, and he and certain men of Judah, and asked, I asked them concerning the Jews that escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. They said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also was broken down, and the gates thereof were burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him, and observe his commandments. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we come to this passage of Scripture, God, that may and will lead us to revival, we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to make application. We know this took place many years ago. We know, dear God, that it was for the rebuilding of the temple and the walls and the gates. But at the same time, Lord, uh, we can uh, take application as well for our Christian life. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to make application, that we receive it. God, that we make it understandable. God, to be clear tonight, Lord, that we would work, dear God, in a way of spiritual business and spiritual labor, that we might find ourselves under the reading of God's Word someday with worship, with confessing, God separating ourselves from strangers in the world, God, I pray in the night, Lord, that you'd move within our hearts and our souls. Pray, God, that you'd have your way in our hearts. Anoint us with your spirit. Guard us with your lips. Guard our lips, dear God, with your hand. Father, may all things be done, Father, decently in order. And may you be glorified and, and lifted up in every way. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. I guess revival tonight is something that only God could bring. 
and only God can give. And tonight it just seems like that revival happens to those that just seem to be, might be, just maybe like minding their own business like Nehemiah. I noticed tonight my first point is, was Nehemiah was busy. We find tonight in verse 1, he says in the last portion of verse 1, as I was in Sushan, the palace. He was there tonight and he was just living his life. And as he was living his life, he was living in the place that God would have him to live. He would be doing as all that you and I would be doing and that would be he was in a comfortable place. Tonight, I would have to say that each one of us tonight has a comfortable place. I would think in this church tonight, every member here would have a comfortable place to stay. I don't believe any of us tonight are staying in a place tonight or living in a place that would be something like under the bridge or in a box. I don't believe tonight that you and I would be in a place tonight where there's great fear and great harm. But as it was for Nehemiah and his busy, busy schedule, he was one tonight that was just living his life out in a comfortable place. He was also with a compliant people. We find in here that he wasn't with the Jews. He was with the Gentiles. We find uh, that he was here under the king's authority. Uh, he was one that was, came out of captivity as well as the others. But he came to stay. He could have went back to Jerusalem with the rest that was there. The remnant was there. But he chose to stay amongst Gentiles. He, he, he made a decision to stay amongst people. But these people were compliant to him. And so he was not in the midst of someone who was trying to destroy him, trying to hurt him, trying to get rid of him, trying to harm him in any way. And we find that today in our lives. That we're in places that are comfortable, but we're with people that are compliant. People at work are not trying to destroy our lives. People at home are not trying to get rid of us. Uh, people about our lives are not those are enemies who are trying to throw us in jail or trying to throw us under the jail. Uh, they're not talking about us. They're not creating havoc in our lives. Uh, they're not being where you and I can't understand and can't go forth in the business of our lives. We're around compliant people. They know us. We know them. They know our failures, we know theirs. We find ourselves thirdly tonight as Nehemiah. He was not only in a comfortable place, but with a compliant people, but he was in a convenient purpose. He was one tonight that his purpose was to be there in Shushan the palace. That was his purpose. It wasn't for everybody, but it was for him. It wasn't for just anybody, but it was for him. Tonight we find ourselves in convenient purposes. You are where you are. You're with who you are with. You work where you work. You go to church with whom you go to church with. Today I would say that you're in convenient purposes. Amen. Each one of those places where you find yourself tonight, you've got a purpose to be there. There's a purpose for church, a purpose for home, a purpose for work. And we find tonight uh, all of us, we could say that we're just living our lives busy. Amen? I mean, we're all busy just doing what we do. We find, secondly, that Nehemiah was not busy living his life, but I noticed that Nehemiah was busy making a living. 
The Bible says in the last portion of this chapter, the last verse, the last phrase, for I was a king's cupbearer. We find that that's how he made his living. He was one that he was trusted. The, the king trusted him. The king would be one tonight that would say to this uh, cupbearer uh, that I want you to be a man that has authority, a man that has responsibility, a man that has integrity, a man that has character, or you can't be my cupbearer. My cupbearer is one who does this. Every time the king would get a glass of wine, uh, this cupbearer, Nehemiah, would take a drink of that cup of wine because many times in that day, how do you get rid of the king? You poison him. And how you poison him? Through wine. And so he would be the one who would get the poison. He'd be the one who'd take the death for the king. And so the king had to look at Nehemiah and say to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, uh, I got to trust you. I got to trust you that you're not the one who put the poison in the, in the wine. And so if it is, you drink it. And so we find that he had not trusted him, but he had given him some authority. You had given him some responsibility. Uh, he trusted him. He would, not only was Nehemiah trusted by the king, but he was honored by the king. See, it was an honor to be able to stand up in place of the king in order to protect the king, to provide for the king, uh, to be a place where you could say that, you know what, I'm with the king often. I'm in his presence much. And me and the king have relationship. Amen? Right. And so we find that Nehemiah was a man making a living just like you make a living. He was a man that was honored and respected. A man that he looked upon with responsibility. He had character. Uh, he was one with integrity tonight. He is one that had great uh, great uh, word and great name and, and Nehemiah knew it was known across the whole of providence there amongst the king who's the cupbearer that's Nehemiah and tonight can I say that you and I are busy we're busy living our lives and we're busy making a living right. amen right. so Nehemiah and us we're kind of in the same spot but see here's this is how revival comes just minding our own business we find here, thirdly, he was serving the Lord. Nehemiah was, a, was one who knew the Lord. He's the one tonight that the God has placed him right here in the, in the very place of Shushan the palace. God placed him here. We're going to see that in the future. But we know it's number two, serving the Lord is where God places you. But he was in the position that God gave him. He wasn't a cupbearer by accident. He wasn't a cupbearer uh, by just something that the opening came up. He put his name in. He gave his resume. And, the, and the, the old king then had about 10 people he could choose from. And he chose Nehemiah. Oh, no. God would just put him in that position. And God put him in that place. Right. Yeah, he made it. Right. Because God has a plan. We find he's serving the Lord. And God gave him the power that sent him. And so here's Nehemiah. Nehemiah sitting before the king. Nehemiah was well respected and well favored and well honored, full of integrity and full of character. And uh, he was one serving the Lord. He was doing what God had him to do. He was where God would have him to be. He had the power uh, that nobody else had in the providence as being the cupbearer tonight. He was in the right position at the right time doing the right thing. And boy, I tell you, Nehemiah tonight, uh, he, he was one that God had looked upon and God placed there just like you and me right. Amen. tonight. Just busy. 
But you're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. You got the power of God on your life. Your husband, your wife, your mother, your father. You work where you work. You go to church where you go. You're making a living. You're busy. You take care of the home. You're taking care of things. You're paying the bills. You're getting, you're getting this done and that done. And so tonight, can I just say that it's okay. It's all right tonight that the church take care of business. It's all right that the church take care of your families. It's okay tonight that we come to church and we serve the Lord and, and some of you do some things and some of y'all do some other things tonight and whatever God lets you do, whatever God asks you to do tonight, you're okay, everything's fine, everything's going right. It was for Nehemiah too. And we find tonight in his own personal life it just seemed like everything was just ought to be, ought to be. But I can say secondly tonight, not Nehemiah was busy, but Nehemiah was bothered. He comes to verse 2. As Nehemiah was in the palace, here came a man named Hananiah. And Hananiah was one of the, my brethren, he says, and he came, and, and a certain man of Judah, he asked them concerning the Jews of, that escaped, which left of the captivity and the concerning Jerusalem. He became get bothered. For as Hananiah came with some other Jews and they were conversating and talking and they came to the palace there and it just so happened that Nehemiah was in the right place because it was a certain time when Hananiah came and some of the men of Judea and he was in the right place but he was not at the right place uh, but he was in the right time. And whenever they were conversating he goes up to Hananiah and the men of Judah, and he asked them a question. You know why Nehemiah would ask them a question about concerning the Jews and concerning Jerusalem? Because even though Nehemiah was busy, and even though Nehemiah was where God would have him to be, and, Nehemiah, no, no, and even though that Nehemiah was one that was walking and right with God, down deep in Nehemiah, there was something bothering him. And what was bothering Nehemiah was what's going on with the Jews and with Jerusalem. Now tonight, it's okay to be busy. It's all right tonight to be where God has you to be and you're serving the Lord and you're living, you're living your life and you're doing what God asks you to do tonight. But we're asking tonight, is there anything at all that's bothering you concerning the church. Is there anything at all tonight that you might be concerned over about the church? Tonight we began to look and delve into Nehemiah and, and see what he's bothered about. Because you don't ask a question tonight like he did to Hananiah unless there's something in you. We just don't go around asking questions just to ask questions. Every time somebody asks you a question, there's something bothering them, and they need to know an answer. Amen? And every time you ask a question, you know, don't say this. You ask somebody a question. Hey, uh, is, the, is the sky blue? And you say, they say to you, well, why you ask? Oh, no reason. There's a reason why you ask. You want to know about the sky. Is it blue? Tonight, Nehemiah asked because something was bothering him. 
Now my prayer tonight and my request to the Lord tonight, would somebody in the house of God get bothered? Somebody get bothered. God, I'm praying tonight, would you have somebody in the auditorium tonight, in this church service tonight, here tonight, that they would get bothered as you bothered Nehemiah. Now he was bothered tonight, number one, about the Jew. The Bible says in that verse 3, concerning the Jew. I noticed that he approached them. They didn't approach him. I noticed number two, he asked them. They didn't ask him. I noticed number three, that he addressed them. And who he addressed was God's people. He's asking about God's chosen. He's asking about God's sheep. He's asking about the Jews. And you know why that he was asking them about the Jews? Because he was in connection with the Jew. He was a Jew. And so he was concerned. And he had this bothersome about him that, that tell me about the Jew. Tell me about God's people. Tell me what's going on. I, I want to know about them tonight because he was connected to them. And not only was he connected, but he was concerned and he was compelled to ask. His heart, down deep in his heart tonight, uh, wasn't about the palace where he was. It wasn't about the business he was doing. It wasn't about the things around him. The thing that was bothering him was God's people tonight. And wonder to God if somebody tonight would get bothered about God's people about the Christian, about the Christian life, about the, the very place of Christianity, about where is the true blue Christians anymore? Where are those who love God and where are those who will stand for the Lord and where are those that are saved without a doubt tonight? Where are those that live for God? How are they doing? We're the ones that tonight, as he begins to ask and be bothered about the Jew. Number two, he had another concern. His other concern, according to verse two tonight, was concerning Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Well, what is Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem is the city of God. It's where God placed his name. And boy, he's bothered about that. He's bothered about the temple of God. He's bothered about the promise of God. Because that was the promised land of God given to his people. And he's asking, he said, I'm bothered about the Jew, God's people, but I'm also bothered about Jerusalem, God's place. Where God dwells. Where his people worship. I'm bothered about that. He's bothered because there at that Jerusalem is a place called Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the city of David, the city of God, where God tonight has said, that belongs to me. My name is upon that city, the city Mount Zion. That same mount tonight is called Mount Moriah. Now, Mount Moriah tonight is not only the place of God, but Mount Moriah is the worship of God. 
That's where Abraham, if you remember, took up Isaac. And as he took up Isaac to sacrifice Isaac, there was a ram in the thicket. And that ram was taken by Abraham. And God provided the sacrifice. Amen. And so we find that Mount Moriah is the place, friend, where the temple set and where the place of where the sacrifices took place during the days of sacrificing on the temple, Mount Moriah. But the same mount is Mount Calvary. At Mount Calvary is where Jesus, the Lamb of God, went and voluntarily laid down his life and shed his blood and died the death that you and I should have died. And he became the sin that you and I should have become. And he paid for the wrath of God that you and I should have paid for. And he arose on the third day. And that's Mount Calvary. And he's saying, I got bothered about Jerusalem. It's the place of God. It's the worship of God. It's the place where Jesus died. In other words, tonight I guess it would be you and I, if somebody would get bothered about the Christian and about the church. Somebody get bothered. Somebody. God, just give us one. One person tonight that says, I'm bothered. I'm bothered about the Christian. I'm bothered about Christianity today. See, Nehemiah was bothered tonight concerning the people of God and the place of God. And we should be, we should be bothered tonight about the children of God and the church of God. Aren't we shouldn't be bothered? Tonight, shouldn't tonight we, we look at the church and we look at the children of God. We look at the Christian tonight. And my, we see such lacking. We, we see such, uh, seems like the power is not there. It just seems like uh, that it just is limping alone. It, it just seems like Christianity tonight is not what it ought to be, nor should it be. Matter of fact, it's something that there's more people leaving Christianity than coming to Christianity. There's 4,200 churches a year that's shutting down every year, and churches are going out of business and water over their doors and windows tonight. Pastors are staying two years or less in churches tonight. They're moving on to bigger and better things. And friend, we can't hardly find anybody anymore tonight that cares about the sheep of God's people. And it seems like the shepherds tonight are just interested in the money and the prestige and the power tonight and not in the people anymore. Oh, God, help us tonight. Somebody get bothered tonight about the Christianity and the church. Somebody get bothered and said, you know, I'm just going to go to God on that. I'm just going to talk to God about this. Why do we have pews that are empty? Why do we find people who say they're Christian and don't go to church? And why do we find people who say they love God and living in sin? And why do we find folks tonight who say that they're born again tonight? And yet, Lord, they're finding themselves in depression and they'll find themselves in jealousies and envies and unforgiveness tonight. What's wrong? What's wrong, Lord? And so if I, that he was bothered, would to God tonight that we might begin to pay attention we might begin to ask questions. We might be able to be concerned, uh, get bothered, be bothered. Somebody get bothered. God help tonight. Nehemiah was bothered. Nehemiah was busy. But can I say here thirdly tonight, Nehemiah was burdened. 
we find in verse 3 and verse 4, this burden was laid upon him. And they said unto him, or unto me, the remnant that are left in the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also was broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when he heard these words that he sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven tonight. Can I say number one, what was he burdened over? Well, the first thing I noticed he was burdened over was the condition of the people. The Bible says that they were in great affliction and in reproach. Tonight I want you to notice their state tonight. The great affliction was their state that they were in. Uh, the people tonight, that word great affliction means they were unpleasant. They were just unpleasant people. They were just unhappy people. Uh, they were just tonight uh, people uh, that were just not satisfied. They were not content. Uh, they were not people of God uh, that were just in a place of satisfaction. Uh, they were just people that were in great affliction and great unhappiness and great unsatisfaction. I mean, there's always a complaint, always a gripe, always something, always there. They weren't happy because the walls were broken down. They weren't happy because the gates were burned up. They weren't happy because there was no worship taking place. They wasn't happy because they were in captivity. They wasn't happy because there was just a remnant. They were unhappy in where they were. They weren't happy in how they are. They're unhappy tonight. And I see Christians tonight all over the place that are unhappy. They're unhappy in marriages. They're unhappy with children. They're unhappy with themselves. They're unhappy with the church. They're unhappy where they live. They're unhappy in where they drive. They're unhappy where they work. They're unhappy what they're doing. They're unhappy in who they are. Tonight, may somebody get burdened about people tonight who say they love Jesus and are unhappy and unpleasant. You can't hardly be around some people. Some people tonight are such a foul spirit, and they say there's Christians. They got such bad attitudes. They want to be in control of everything. They want to gripe about everything. Nothing at all can make them happy. Nothing at all can go their way. Nothing at all seems to be what they want to do. And if it don't get done the way they want to get done, uh, then they have some sarcastic uh, remark. They have some, some, some word to say. They got some correction to take. Uh, listen, and I just say to you tonight, how many marriages tonight that are so-called Christian marriages that are full of unhappiness and full of unpleasure tonight. And friend, it just uh, makes God sick. It nauseated his stomach tonight to know that you and I who are saved by the blood of the Lamb we have the joy of the Lord in our hearts tonight yet but in reality we are unhappy people and unsatisfied and that's the way they were and boy he was told that boy he became burdened won't somebody get burdened for us that we're unhappy that we're miserable people that man we are depressed people we are Aggressed people. We are we are uh, full of stress. People. Uh, we we have we have these things, and we've got this going on, and we fret over everything, and we're worried about what's taking place over there, and we're worried about what's going to happen to our children. We're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, we are worry watch tonight, and friend, we are people tonight that are just not content and satisfied and grateful and thankful for what we do have. 
Life's wanting something bigger and better and more. That's the way the people were. Great affliction. There were people tonight, their state. I want you to notice their status. The Bible says they were in reproach. They were reproached. reproach. That word reproach means disgraced. And can I, say, can I say tonight, the church, the Christian tonight, who is unhappy, who is miserable, that is unsatisfied, tonight is unpleased, tonight you're disgraced. You're disgraced to the grace that you say that you have tonight. It shouldn't be at all tonight where we are is because that's where God put us there. Tonight we may not have what we think that we ought to have, but because God has put us there and placed us there, we'll be grateful for it. That spouse you got, uh, they, not, they might not be all that in $3 uh, tonight, and, and they not, may not be all that you think they ought to be tonight, but bless God you have a spouse, and thank God that the spouse you do have is with you now at church at least and with you at the house of God, and you ought to look over to them and say, Thank you, God, for giving me him and her tonight. I'm satisfied. I'm content with that. I know that I'm a reproach because I'm not content with him, and I'm not satisfied with her. I'm a disgrace in the eyes of God. Amen, Brother Larry. I'm in the church. I'm in. I got the job I've got. I got all that you've given me, Lord. I'm happy. But see, we're not. We're a disgrace. We're a dishonor. That's what approach means. And we find tonight in many church members, in many churches tonight, in many homes tonight, we find reproach. We find disgrace, we find dishonor, we find tonight in a way of disapproved. God's not approving what you're watching on TV. God's not approving what you listen to on the radio. God's not approving what you're doing and what you're saying and how you're treating one another. God's not approving how you're raising your children. God's not approving in how you're spending your, you're spending your money and how you're treating your spouse. God's not approving how you're reading your Bible and praying. God's not approving of your attending of church tonight, your faithfulness to the house of God. Hey, disapproved. A reproach. Boys, Nehemiah looked upon Jerusalem and the Jews. He said, boy, the Jews are in affliction. Man, they're unhappy. They're unsatisfied. And they're reproach. They're disgrace and dishonor and disapproved. That burdened the heart of Nehemiah. Won't somebody get burdened tonight over the church, over the Christian? Tonight, won't we find the second thing that he found that brought a burden to his heart was not only the condition of the people, but the convictions of the people. Now stay with me on this here tonight. The Bible says in verse 3, the wall of Jerusalem broke down. Now what are walls for? Walls tonight, now, I hope you understand what that might mean. A wall is keeping something out that's bad. Right? A wall is keeping out something that's evil. A wall is keeping out something that's wrong. Right? That's why you'd have a wall. And that wall, friend, everything inside that wall is saying, I am separated from everything outside that wall. That means everything on outside that wall is potentially a harm to me inside this wall. Everything on outside that wall would be evil or wrong or something tonight that might hurt, it might suffer, it might bring damage to anyone and everything inside the wall. And now in Jerusalem, the walls are broken down. 
But not only are walls made to keep things out of wrong, but walls are built tonight to keep things that are right in. Right? You keep a wall and you make it right because everything in you want to keep in. Right? You don't want what's in to get out. Like you might put a wall, like you might have a dog and you might have a dog in a room and you might have a little door or whatever that is to keep that dog in there. And the reason why is you don't want that dog to come out, you want to keep the dog in. Right? Amen? And we find that you have another door for you to keep the, the child out of the dog. Right? We don't want the dog and the baby playing together. So we find there's a wall keeping the evil and wrong out, but there's a wall that keeps the good and right in. But the wall of Jerusalem are broken down. And tonight, can I say what's wrong with the church and what's wrong with the Christian tonight? As our walls are broken down. Our walls are broken down. I'll put it in the terms of convictions tonight. Of convictions. We find tonight that the persuasions tonight, their persuasions have fallen. There was a time when you were persuaded that the King James Version Bible was the Bible for English-speaking people, and now you're kind of tottering on that. There was a time whenever the Baptist doctrine and the Baptist teaching and what the Baptist independent fundamental Baptist believes and what they stand for tonight. And you said, listen, I'm an independent fundamental Baptist tonight because of the standards and because of the the teachings and the doctrines in which it holds and which it stands. Tonight you'll go to non-dominational church. You'll go to any other church. The persuasion has fallen. You're persuaded that God has given you convictions in your heart. And those convictions at one time were very strong and, and they, were very, they were very lean uh, tonight. And you would not crack a little. You wouldn't give an inch. This is what I believe. This is what I hold to. Uh, this is what I am. I'm not moving from my convictions, friend. And we find tonight that the standards have crumbled now and the positions have lowered now and the stance have dropped now. For example, like dress. Man, you got saved and born again. Uh, before you were saved and born again, you wore as little as you much, much as you could and you wore as tight as you could. Amen. You, you, you become out there and it was all about image. It was all about your size. It was all about your form. It was all about your features. It was all about you. And it was all about how you look and what you looked in public. Right. But when you got saved and born again, the dress changed. The dress no longer was something that was tight and something that was short and something that was low. It was something that now covers up and something that brings forth dignity and womanlike lookness. Amen. And it brought a holiness about you. It brought a moderation unto you. And friend, as you look now at your dress tonight, friend, have you dropping your dress cold? Come in the church in pants. You say, brother, is there something wrong with that? I don't know. You tell me. Come in the church with shorts on. You tell me. 
coming to church, coming to church tonight, revealing the curvatures of your body. You tell me. You know what I come to church for? I come to worship God. I come to come to the place of holiness and come under the conviction of the Holy Ghost of God. I come here to lift up Jesus. I don't come here to look at women. I don't come here to look at your body. I don't come here to look at your thigh. I don't come here to look at your upper body. I don't come to look at your curvatures. I don't come to look at you at all. You need to dress appropriately. Our churches tonight, I'm not talking just about Glory Baptist Church, I'm talking about church as a whole tonight. The women and men have have dropped their dress code. Preachers don't even wear suits no more. Men don't even dress up with ties and and wear slacks and wear sleeves, uh, wear long sleeve shirts anymore. People are coming in as if they're going to a beach or they're going to a movie theater. If they're going down to the park, they're coming in as if they're going to go eat at Red Lobster someplace. Dear God, this is the house of God. Amen. You come dressed to worship. And you come dressed not to distract anybody else that wants to worship. And you come to the house of God and you're overflowing and you're wearing what you're wearing. Not to show forth, but to lift up God. Amen. We have come to a place in church tonight that our dress standards have been lowered. Somebody needs to get a burden. Amen? Am I right or am I wrong? You say, well, Brother Larry, what you're saying is if I wear a pair of pants as a woman, if I wear a pair of shorts as a man, I'm going to die and go to hell. Brother Larry didn't say that tonight. I didn't say that at all. I'm just saying when you got saved and born again and washed in the blood of the Lamb, and when you got saved unto holiness, friend, you, you covered yourself. You covered yourself well, and there was nothing about you. You denied your flesh. You denied yourself. And, Ben, it was about coming to the house of God and the very best clothes you got and the very finest clothes you got and the very kind of clothes that you got that will reveal nothing of yours but come to worship God. But sometimes, somehow, some way, we done left our standards out. Our walls have broken down. And dress. <laughs> I hope you don't leave out of here and say, Brother Larry, you're just a, a guy that's against women wearing pants. I'm not. You can wear whatever you want to wear when you want to wear it. That's your business tonight. But we're talking about walls coming down. I'm talking about at one time, at one day, you felt different than you feel today. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Number two, I noticed tonight the convictions on our entertainment. Our walls have fallen down. We'll read the Word of God and, and we'll find tonight all through the Scripture about adultery and about fornication and about lying and about thieving and about about uh, about these sins and and, uh, and about this and about a man or not touch a woman and a man or not to have sex outside of marriage and and a man ought to ought to be a man and and live live for God and and he ought to do things that are godly and yet we'll sit down in our house on our TVs or on your phone and you'll watch people make out. You'll hear people cuss. Say God's name in vain. You'll watch two homosexuals 
kiss or lesbians do more than even that. You'll watch a bank robbery. You'll watch a killing. You'll watch a blood gushing of people killing one another. You'll watch so many things, but yet in the Word of God tonight, you would stand up and say, that's not right. But in your house, on your TV, and on your phone, you're watching it. Our walls are broken down. Now, you don't have to believe me tonight. You don't have to agree with me, but you don't have to be right either. You can be wrong. There was a time tonight when Christian people, the church tonight, did not partake of those things. We'll not watch those. We'll not let them come into our house. We'll not let cuss words come through. We'll not let naked women come through. We'll not let a man come through with pride. We'll not let the language and we'll not let the behaviors and conduct, how putting down men constantly on that TV and how they always present this, this uh, homosexual, uh, this lesbian, this sodomite uh, culture tonight, this society that runs anti-God and anti-Bible. And you're allowing your children, you're allowing your, your wife, dear husband, and you're allowing your family tonight to come through this place where are your walls they're broken down they're broken down in our dress they're broken down in our entertainment they're broken down tonight as well as we just scroll through in our Bible I remember when I got saved remember you got saved when I leave church I go home before I go to bed I read my Bible (laughs) are you a bunch of fanatics I mean, you just got to hear the preacher preach for one hour. And when you get home, you, you eat and do all your whatever you do and all the things that you do. And right before you go to bed, you open up your Bible and you read one more scripture. You read one more chapter. That's the way you did it when you got saved. And the next day, you take that Bible and you read it again that morning before you leave out of the house and say, boy, this is good. You'll come on Wednesday night to hear the Bible. And then you'll call up your pastor or you text your pastor and say, Hey, pastor, I've been reading over here in Leviticus chapter 13. And I got a question. What happened? No more questions? Everybody's a theologian. Nobody wants to know any more about the Bible anymore. Our walls have fallen down on our Bible. See, it's not near as important as it used to be. Used to be, man, I I wanted to come every service because it preached the Bible. And I I didn't want to miss any. At home, with the devotion of your family, listen, fathers, why are you not having devotion with your children and with your spouse? Why aren't you praying, uh, mama and wife, why are you praying with your husband? Why? Why? Man, your husband needs your prayer. Your husband, friend, needs to hear you pray for him. Your husband tonight needs to know that you know God and you can get a hold of God. Not just tell him you do pray and read your Bible, but as he watches you pray and read your Bible. As your children watch you read your Bible and pray tonight. Not that you tell him you do, but are you? The walls have fallen. Somebody get burdened. Just somebody. We find the walls have fallen down in the convictions of our church and what our church is for. 
church's place to come worship. It's not a place where you run. It's not a place where you play. It's not a place where you bring drinks in. You don't bring bottles in. You don't bring candy in. You don't bring food in. It's not a place tonight uh, when you come and try to sell products. Uh, it's not where you try to gain your clientele. It's not trying to hear and get gangs and get, and get family members and, and get socialized and, and make friends and, and have this and have that. The church is a place of worship. It's a place of holiness. It's a place of honor. It's a place, Fred, of justification, redemption, and reconciliation. It's a place where we come under God and God comes unto us and it must be pure. Amen. We dropped our walls. Our walls have fallen down in our church. We've kind of lost it. We come haphazardly sometimes. We come walking in here mad at our spouse. We, we come in here tonight uh, depressed and down and out and, and uh, not knowing uh, that your spirit, not knowing that the grieving of the spirit tonight could be the reason problem why that somebody not, might not get saved in here. And friend, it's just so important tonight that before we get to the house of God that we have fallen down at our place and we've fallen down at our home and we've fallen down before we get to the house of God and confess our sins and get right with God and allow God to work in my heart so when I get to the house of God I won't be a problem or I won't be a distraction. When sinners come they need to be saved but that means that when sinners come they're expecting the saints to be right with God. Church walls broken down. You think we might need revival? Yes, sir. Somebody get burdened. Somebody get bothered. How about the convictions of our home tonight? The convictions of our home. You say, what, what about our home, Brother Larry? Convictions of our home being clean. We'll tell you something tonight. If you don't keep your home clean... You're not walking with God. God does everything decently in order. Everything He does is with cleanliness. If you don't keep up with your house, dear man, like fixing what needs to be repaired, having old trash hanging around and hanging around, it's God that's given you that. You've got to be a good steward, right? Amen? And God's given you that home. Tonight, dear woman, dear man, you and I got to come to the place where we got to stop looking at our dirty, filthy home, broken down, and do something about it. Amen. See, that's a spiritual condition. Yeah. It's why I just don't like laundry. I just don't like sweeping the floor. I just don't like putting my jack-in-a-box papers or my jack-in-a-box wrappers when I, at 10 o'clock when I got through eating two uh, super tacos and one cheeseburger and a curly fry. At 10.30 at night, I just didn't feel like going down to, the, down to the kitchen and put it in the trash can. So I throw it with the rest of the Burger Kings and the water burgers that I had from two nights before. You need to get right with God tonight. You're wrong. That's what the world does. Yes, the world don't take care of their car. The world tonight will go out there and the car's trashed out. Mm-hmm. It's got wrappers and got Coke cans and it's got, it got cigarette butts. Mm-hmm. 
It's got the caps off of the, the little tabs that you pull off of the, the drink that you have. And they're all sitting in the bottom of the car. They're sitting in the trunk. They're sitting over there in the dash. They're up there, they're up there underneath the chair, underneath the, the seat right there. Friend, listen, friend, that's not how God's people are tonight. God's people tonight are good stewards of what God's given you. You take care of it. You wash your clothes. You keep your house. You make everything right with God. Amen. I'm just saying tonight, these are some walls that are broken down in the home. I'll tell you something else that's broken down. And I know you say you're meddling right now. Let me see what time it is. I got seven more minutes to meddle. <laughs> it ought to be in a Christian's home that when that man gets home uh, going out working and that woman has the privilege and honor staying home, some don't, but most do, I will think uh, they get home and you eat about 5.30, that when you eat, every single body in that home comes to the table. What? You say that's the way it used to be. Everybody comes to the table. You don't like it? You sit in your room and star, starve or die in starvation. No, you ain't going in there to get no peanut butter and crackers. No, you ain't going to get no apple. And no, you ain't going to get no banana. You're going to come to the table. And whatever mama made, Whatever she made, it might be some chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes and green beans. It might be some rolls. And that's what you're going to eat for the night. No, the little child says, I don't want that. You say, honey, what would you like? They say, I take some raviolis. So mama goes in there, makes a little bowl of raviolis while everybody else is eating chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes and green beans. The little spoiled brat is eating raviolis. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Amen. Amen. You're a joke. That's not, that's not what God's people do. God's people go work. They work hard. And while they're working hard, mama working hard at home, daddy's working outside the home, they come together, they sit as a family at the table, they pray together. Amen. They pray together. And let me say this this morning, this evening. I don't want to discourage anybody tonight who allows your child to pray. I, I think we ought to teach our children to pray. I think we ought to show our children to pray. Uh, but, Fred, I'm telling you tonight, I've been in houses and homes. They said, okay, you want to pray? And here's a four-year-old trying to pray. He's praying for old Skippy the dog. He's praying for the friend down at the house down there. He's praying for old Grandma who hurt her leg. He's praying for everything else around the day. He didn't say one thing about the food. I think it ought to be the man of the house ought to take care and don't look to your wife and say, honey, you want to pray tonight? No, you're the leader of the home, amen? You sit down and say, God, I thank you for my family, for my food. I thank you for all that you've done this day. Thank you for bringing my home together. You preach a little while amen. at the table. You've given God glory and praise and thankfulness. And as we're sitting at the table, we're eating of the good hand of God and we're actually talking. Mm -hmm. It ought to be a rule. If you bring your phone to the table, you've got to stay in your room for three days. <laughs> no food. It ought to be prohibited uh -huh. right. to bring a phone uh -huh. right. to the table. That's right. Amen. 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 I tell you something else ought to be prohibited. 
of the stupid TV on while you're at the table. I tell you something that would prohibit it is a dumb radio on at the time of the meal. You know what all this is about? This is about you and you and you coming to the end of the day, able to take a meal that God has provided and able to praise and glorify and give Him grace and partake of that meal with your family and be able to discuss and to talk, how was your day? How are you doing? Is there anything that needs to happen with you? Is there anything that I can do for you? Your children are talking to children. Mom's talking to dad. Dad's talking to children. We're conversating. We're having some sort of fellowship going on in the the home. We don't just get up. I'm done. You sit there till everybody else is done. You eat real fast. Well, you're going to eat fast and watch the rest. So we're still talking. We're not done talking. This ought to be a time of worship. It ought to be a time of fellowship with family. Our walls are broken down in our home. Our walls are broken down in our church. Walls are broken down in our entertainment and our dress. Walls are broken down in our prayer life and prayer. Tonight, I can see Nehemiah, can't you? Being burdened. Somebody, somebody get burdened tonight. Somebody. Somebody get bothered. I wonder tonight, have your walls like Jerusalem, had broken down. I just wonder. Oh, they were busy, just like we are. All of a sudden, there was something bothering Nehemiah. He asked a question. He got bothered. And then he got burdened. And tonight, in order for us to get to revival, somebody, just one, is going to have to be busy and get bothered and get burdened to the road to revival. God help us tonight. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No time to wait tonight. You can just rush on down to the altar and just talk to God. It's just time, church, that we we get to the road of revival. It's just time. It's just time that we rush and we find some urgency and emergency in our lives. Time is short. Days are not very long. Would you come, dear Christian friend? Is there anybody tonight bothered and burdened over the Christian and over the church? Anybody? You sing, Brother George. There's a few that's come. Would you come?
Would you come tonight? God, help us tonight. Help us to see those, those walls that are broken down. Those walls are broken down. Help me, Lord. It used to be different. Man, it used to be good. I remember the time when I was real happy. I remember the time when I was satisfied. I remember the time when, boy, it was this good to live. And now it just seems to be a burden. It just seems like life is difficult. It just seems like everything's up in the air. Nothing seems to be settled. Nothing seems to be as it ever has been. Life will never be the same. Only your spiritual life can go back to where it needs to be. But the life we live now will never be the same. Since COVID, we'll never see those days in America. We'll never go back to where it used to be. But spiritually, we can. Spiritually, we can go back. Spiritually tonight. If I can get burdened and bothered. Yes. God, that my walls are broken down. My convictions have been lowered. My persuasions and standards. God, I have seen them just get out of the way. I have compromised. I've come complacent. I've allowed more than I've ever allowed before. I do less than I've ever done before. I don't like it. I don't want to be here. Lord, tonight, I want to make a change. I want it, I want it to be different from this day forward. Yes, amen. Walls are broken down. Yes, amen, Lord. There's still more room for you tonight if you'd like to come. If you'd like to come tonight. Still more room. Sing another one, brother. Sing another one. So are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life for abundant and free.
In the 